0: Well, the Big D is back with a NASCAR street racing. Yes, we are street racers on the streets of Chicago. But before I bring in today's guests, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. Sorts of content out there. Also, check out the Big D podcast for all of your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So, uh, joining us from... Uh, just north of San Diego, uh, Brian Twiney. Did I get that name? Did I get the name? I've been practicing all day.
1: Yes, you got that. Perfect. Yeah, Brian.
0: Brian is a NASCAR better. That's Bet, for fantasy life app, 4 for 4 football, DL football, Bleacher Nation. What else do you do?
1: Uh, so I, I, I write content for uh, bleacher nation, uh, NASCAR pieces. And then obviously the main thing I do with, uh, my buddy Kyle is we record the angle of pursuit podcast, which has transitioned to an all NASCAR all day type of thing where we go over each race each week and we bring you our best bets before practicing qualifying and then come back and give some DFS plays and then add to our betting card for the upcoming race.
0: Uh, Yeah, but you and I both know Kyle. Kyle, Yeah, we do. So obviously thinking back to our last Sunday's race in Nashville, Rorschstein, A, didn't wreck anybody and prove he could actually win win on a normal track because his first two wins came at Coda. Well, uh, we know what happened the last lap in Talladega where the only thing that's the only thing that makes sense, the last lap for Talidica is oh wait, it's the last lap of the race because you could be wrong exactly. and win.
1: Yeah, i I was excited to see Ross Chastain do what he did, and even after practicing qualifying, though, I gotta say I missed the boat on you know betting him uh, early with the good lines because I think he opened at like twelve or fourteen to one to win that race and as much as I like him, I mean, I, I have a watermelon man hat. I have bet him numerous times this year, the string of races that he had put together heading into that last weekend did not show any confidence for me to get him, you know, on the betting board. And then even after, like I was saying, practice and qualifying showing that type of speed, I was still skeptical that he was going to be able to stay up front and avoid contact. And lo and behold, he did. He was the best car all day. Uh, it was nice to see him get back in victory lane. And like you said, win on a traditional oval and not in some weird race that anything can happen or by wrecking people in order to get it done.
0: Well, to be honest, I wasn't worried about Ross Chastain. Starting the race, I was worried about Ross Chastain because seeing with how he's he ran at Nashville, I think he was second in that first race there in 2021 when Kyle Waltz. came yeah there are certain tracks where drivers fit and for whatever reason, Rochester loves concrete. He always runs well at Dover, always runs well Natra. Maybe they should make him the concrete, the concrete watermelon former. <laughs> uh,
1: hey, hey, the watermelons do smash good there as we got to see this last Sunday. So, I mean, I'm sure he'll be looking forward to the next time they, they hit that, they hit Nashville.
0: But, um, It's weird. The last couple of races in Nashville have been the same because Toyotas have looked good early, but the the Chevy's ended up winning because you think last year, Denny Allen and Martin Truex dominated early, and then Chase Elliott ended up winning the race. And guess what happened this past Sunday night? Toyotas dominated early, and guess who uh, smashed the watermelon and took home a guitar?
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say, though, that uh, Martin Truex Jr., he continued – his surge, uh, in the 2023 season. I mean, he was really, I mean, yeah, Denny Hamlin led the second most laps in 81 to, uh, Chastain's 99. But to me it was Truex who was the second best car during the race. And I think that really, you know, kind of, kind of leads us into Chicago, um, it, it, there's, no, it, there's no surprise that Mark Trex Jr. is among the favorites for this weekend's race, being a road course maven, showing what he did at Sonoma a couple of weeks ago, which I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back. I uh, hit him early in the week, got him 33 to one, and we walked away with a huge profitable weekend from Northern California.
0: Yeah, because Truex. I mean, for a while, when NASCAR only raced what two or three road courses, it was Truex, Chase Elliott, everybody else on road course. Yep. I mean, Truex, Truex, used to be the Sonoma king. Now it's gone all over the map. But maybe, maybe it's just the year where like the uh, veterans reign supreme on road course. I mean, of course, or oh, the Toyotas reign supreme on the Toyotas, road Yeah, we saw last year where. The Toyotas were so anemic on road force. I mean, I don't remember Gipsaw even running top 20 at Sonoma. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, it, it's been interesting to watch the kind of evolution of Toyota just in 2023 as a whole, even even on other type of ovals and like the one and a halves and then the super speedways, because last year I felt like Toyota was probably the worst manufacturer in the next gen car in terms of finding consistent speed at at different tracks. And this year, they've definitely leveled the playing field. I feel like it's Toyota and HMS are really kind of the top two. Groupings. I mean, I'll just put Toyota in there because I only got six cars. Um, but yeah, it it's been fun to watch, and in my opinion, I'm not taking too much away from what we saw in 2022 in the first season of the of the next gen car when trying to look at and prognosticate what we're going to see this weekend in in Chicago because the car itself has overgone you know numerous changes just from last year alone, and then even in the past few weeks where they've added. In the safer uh like structuring to the sides of the car after the kyle larson crash where he wrecked i believe it was ryan priest he totally demolished the size of the car they're taking stuff in and out of the hood of the car to add more crunch which we got to see firsthand last week when ryan blaney smashed into a concrete barrier wall um so for me just looking into this weekend i'm definitely more interested in what have you done for me lately? And what have you looked like in 2023? And so like, I I think it's another weekend where it's going to be the Toyotas and maybe the Hendrick guys that are leading the pack. So uh,
0: with uh, NASCAR heading to Chicago, which will mark the halfway point in the season after this week, there will only be eight races left in the regular season. Uh, who have been your standout drivers the first 17 races so far in 2023?
1: I I mean, you got to start with William Byron. I think overall he's been probably the most consistent guy from any from any any garage that we've seen i mean he's consistently running near inside the top five even last week he was inside the top five pretty much the entire day until kyle larson his teammate passed him on the last lap um it's been cool to see him actually take charge of that hms garage with chase elliott and alex bowman both missing multiple races this year and kyle larson basically being a freaking minefield of races when you look at his finishing results and then I think the other guy has got to be Tyler Reddick. If you take away the actual finishing numbers from what he's done, he is bringing speed to each and every track that we've got. And if they can just keep the damn tires on the car or, you know, prevent him from prevent like pit road problems. Like I think Reddick is by far a top five competitor each and every week. And especially this weekend as we head to Chicago
0: uh i'm with you on byron i'm with you on truex i mean if uh 23 11 racing could uh just avoid pit road entirely <laughs> they might have a better chance of winning race because every other race i see bubba in contention i'm like oh he's got a 14 second stop or oh, 45's
1: exactly
0: wish oh, oh 23's got a tire issue the 45's losing its time right. like, of course this because Reddick right? won stage one. I mean, nobody remembers it because they only remember Truex and Ross. But Reddick won stage one. And I'm like, Conrad's going to win this race. And then all of a sudden his time falls off the cone. And I'm like, oh, no. And, of course, my fantasy team was uh, – I don't want to say at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah. I – like um... – it's been really hard to, especially from a betters perspective, you see the speed that Reddick brings to the track each and every weekend. And even the sports books have become attuned to the fact that they can no longer lay long lines on him because he's good everywhere. So far this season, after after the first couple of races, I'll give him, you know, the growing pains of jumping into the 2311 car. But since, you know, Las Vegas, where he came on a little bit stronger towards the end of the race um, he's been incredible. Like I, Again, it's going back to just execution during, during the race. And I think these road courses where there's less, there's no stoppages for the pit stops. It takes away a little bit of the risk because if he is fast and he can jump out to a big lead, like we saw Truex do, he can, they can suffer a a longer pit stop maybe, and still be able to maintain track position. Whereas on the ovals, that's a little bit harder to do. And that's where they're really getting hurt.
0: I mean, Tyler Reddick made an extra pissed off in Coda and won the darn race.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, if it, 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 Because of the speed and as long as it's not something as dramatic as losing an actual tire, um, he, he, he definitely has the equipment in order to make up for those types of mistakes. So, unfortunately, I mean,
0: they're all guys who have performed and guys who have underperformed through the midway point of the season. Who are a couple guys who have Underachieved
1: this year. Well, I mean, I'm going to start. the The clear favorite in this category's got to be Chase Elliott. Yes, he missed a bunch of races, but he just, yeah, he he had a good run, good strong run in Nashville, and he's looked a little bit better of late. He came on strong late at Sonoma, but even since the beginning of the year, he just hasn't looked like the same dominant force that we had seen in the past. And to me, he's more of a top five car than a top three race winning car on a weekly basis right now. And um, I, multiple people have been talking about this on socials and via Twitter and all this type of stuff. But it'll be interesting to see how aggressive he and his team get as we close out the regular season, knowing he's probably going to need a win in order to get into the playoffs. And this is not something that they're used to out of that camp. So it'll be fun to see how Elliott kind of changes his mentality on a week to week basis and especially going to Chicago where we all know Chase Elliott's been the road course king. And then I think the other guy for me it I don't know he's he's come on strong late like the last couple of races and I actually kind of like him this weekend but I think it's Christopher Bell. He went through a period in the middle of the of the regular season right before we got to the little break there where He just wasn't bringing the same type of speed that his teammates were. Even Ty Gibbs was showing a little bit better than he was for a few races. And then, you know, last week he looks a lot better. He's running inside the top 10. But I think Christopher Bell coming into the year was one of my favorite guys to potentially compete for a championship. But among the competitors for that, that you would have expected, I think he's kind of been a little bit disappointing.
0: Yeah, and I've seen. Bell, yeah, Bell qualified what twenty second at national. I'm like Bell should have been better, and then of course it was slip qualifying, so that was more crap.
1: Yeah, qualifying. yeah. I mean, I could have, I could have cherry picked the obvious choice for the most disappointing. Who has got to be either Chase Briscoe, who has been absolutely atrocious. He's driving like he's got an anvil attached to the back of his car, or Austin Sindrick, who. Has completely fallen off a cliff since winning the Daytona 500 last year, and really hasn't shown up even at these road courses. Yes, he did good at Coda, but I mean, outside of that, he has been nowhere to be seen at any race so far in
0: 2023. I mean, Stuart Haas has been no well this year. I mean, the, the, I, I, I mean, other than Kevin Harvick, I mean, Eric it seems like he's in every other accident I'm seeing. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Well, some reason the 41 call is distinct from running well right now, whether it's Cole Custer or Ryan Priest, and no matter who Chase Briscoe's crew chief is, I think he's stuck in about 28th spot every week.
1: Yeah, and last week it was even worse. I mean, he was getting passed by the back markers of, you know, uh, the I believe the Live Fast Motorsports car driven by Josh Balicki was able to pass him, and I mean – that is not good when you're driving an SHR car and you're getting passed by those guys just on pure speed. I don't know if it's setup or if it's just driver, but SHR has definitely taken a step back in 2023. And I'll make the I'll make this last
0: one easy. How about two guys with the same first name? Austin Sindrick and Austin Dillon? Let's see. Kyle Butch has won one, two. Three races, you and looks like a championship contender.
1: Austin Dillon,
0: where have you been? Where have you been?
1: Yeah. What's, what's interesting about that is that I don't think any of us would have considered Austin Dillon like a top 10 driver in the sport. You know, at Super Speedways, he's always kind of popped. He's been a popular choice for top 10 or even a potential win. I mean, one of his wins coming at, I believe it was like the Coke, Coke 400 a couple Coke of years ago. Um, But overall, I don't think that that team has been as good as what people actually even perceive with Kyle Busch winning three races, because in weekends where he hasn't unloaded well and he hasn't looked good during practice or qualifying, the car hasn't really driven well during the race either. Busch has struggled to keep it inside the top 10. He's also still continuing to have his typical issues on track where he's making contact with people or. If uh, in the matter of last week, the one wrecking Ryan Blaney, where he ran into him because guys were checking up on a restart. Like, yeah, I I think the three wins are des- definitely masking the kind of disappointment that RCR is going through with having a top-tier talent like Kyle Busch in one of their cars.
0: By the way, Austin Dillon's wins throughout his career. Talk about Ross Saints' lucky wins. Well, let's see, Austin Dillon's wins. He won the Coke 600 when Jimmy ran out of gas, won oh, the Daytona yeah. 500 by basically all but shoving aero camera out of the way, the Fluky text race in 2020 when he got the perfect caution in a lifetime, and then Daytona last year where everybody wrecked.
1: Exactly. And there you go. Basically all super speedway type racing.
0: Oh, what fat. What crack fat. Yes. So, uh, obviously, first time this weekend going on a street track to, the, to Chicago, Grand Park. A, do you think this is Nashville's, one of NASCAR's craziest ideas, most insane ideas, or greatest ideas? Because I have no idea what to – because I don't know. And then secondly, how do you think this weekend's going to play out? Uh,
1: you know, I think there's – there's definitely an argument to be made by both sides there to say this is one of their craziest and maybe stupidest ideas, but also one of their best wait, in-
0: wait. first from a national standpoint and then a driver
1: standpoint. Okay. Um, I think it's a great a great idea. like in order to grow a sport that is kind of mired and it's stuck in the mud in terms of trying to garner new a new fan base. You have to expand out of your comfort zone, and this is the perfect situation for that, and the perfect, you know, example of getting out of what is the traditional NASCAR type of thing or stereotypical type NASCAR race, where it's all at tracks down in the South, you know, where the sport has been established for years and years and years, and jumping into a major city like Chicago, where you wouldn't normally see a NASCAR race going on, except for you know they used to go to Chicagoland, and then. Uh, it's in speci- specifically jumping into a street race which we've never seen before i think that's a perfect marriage of firsts for the sport because you're going to bring in fans that have never watched a race before by putting it into the inner city and all all you have to do is get you know maybe five percent of those people to be like hey you know what that was fun i want to check it out next week and that's how you grow the sport and i think it's very similar to what major league baseball is doing with the pitch clock and all that type of stuff trying to speed up the games where it's getting the traditionalists like myself, even for baseball uh, to be exact, you know, to kind of understand the, the sport won't survive amongst all of these other things. If you just continue to stick with the old normal crap that has just been going on forever. So I think from NASCAR's perspective, I think it's a great idea. I think it's, uh, thinking out of the box type of thing. But I think it's also opening Pandora's box to future potential races at other cities that wouldn't normally have hosted these type of events.
0: I mean, we've seen F1, we've seen uh, Miami host F1 races, uh, Las Vegas hosting one later, later in the fall. I mean, if uh, this race, if this race runs okay, why can't New York? Because, uh, because I remember back in the day when Bernie Ecclestone, when he ran F1, tried to get street course races on, the street, on uh, New York.
1: That, you know, having family from out there, having lived in New York, I got to say I would definitely be interested to see them try to run a race down in New York City because that place literally never stops. So I... It would be an interesting uh logistical nightmare to try to see how they would figure that out. But I think it'd be fun. They could salt the
0: race on the Brooklyn
1: fridge. Oh right. gosh, yeah and let me tell you from experience driving on the bridges out there on the East coast, like New York and uh, Pennsylvania and all that type of stuff. The lanes are narrow as hell. And there would be lots of side scraping and tire walls getting on rubbing. And it, it would be a fun race to watch for sure. From a spectator uh, perspective.
0: Well, I mean, you, you, you remember the uh, F1 race and, and not F1, the IndyCar race when they run, when they run across the bridge in, in Nashville, that would be, that would be even crazier maybe
1: oh yeah yeah
0: now from a driver's standpoint what are the uh, advantages of running in Chicago, running this race
1: oh, i mean honestly i'd be i'd be worried if i was a driver i ne- yeah, never never yeah, having driven that i'm going to eat concrete yeah like never having run here having zero practice time actually on track and you know racing is great. I even I dabble in iRacing. I think it's fun, but I don't care what type of simulator you have. There is nothing like actually being out there in the weather. You know, temperature degrees is gonna change. You're gonna have other cars around you. You have to figure out how you're supposed to get into the corners. What arc are you supposed to take? And I think the course layout itself presents so many opportunities for contact and wrecks and spins. I mean, we have 7 90 degree turns coming off of straightaways here, which is the most of any road course that we've had in the sport. And this is coming from a sport that normally turns left by on on banked corners. So I mean, the I, I'm excited to watch the race from a driver's perspective. I would be extremely nervous as to how these things are even going to race. And then what's actually going to happen when you have multiple cars on track battling for position, especially coming to the end of stage races uh, of stages or at the end when you're each going into turn seven, which looks extremely narrow and you're trying to go too wide or you have somebody dive bombing you. I mean, how many cars are going to get spun out here? So I'd be extremely nervous (laughs) if I was a driver. Do you think this is, do you think Chicago
0: could potentially be the most chaotic race of the year because you think of chaotic races as Daytona, Talladega, or now Atlanta? Could Chicago be more chaotic than all of them?
1: I think there's definitely a possibility for that. And I think that's all predicated on whether or not the car who is in front or the first couple of cars are able to run away with it or not. Because if you have say like Sonoma type situation where Martin Truix Jr. builds a 14 second lead or Tyler Reddick is out 10 seconds on the second place guy, I don't think you're going to see as much aggression from, from the drivers, like especially those just looking for a race win. Um, but if, if the field is a lot more crunched, like we see at the sports book right now with, I think it's four guys inside the eight to one number. And then you got, it's like 10 guys all within like 15 or 18 to one to win the race. Like if, if you have a handful of really good cars, I definitely think we're, we're in for a chaotic event, and I don't think it'll get quite to the level of what you see at Daytona Talladega. Cause there you have the five to six car wrecks that happen when they're all battling for position. And here, because they'll be going into lower speeds into the corners and honestly that's where you're probably going to see the contact and the wrecks happen I, I think drivers will be able to kind of avoid that or at least slow down enough to avoid the the massive pileups that we've seen
0: yeah i mean I don't think that, this is not gonna be a Walkins Glen or Coda where they're reaching high speed, even Road America. This could be more of a Sonoma speed. I think I hope like top speed to be like one forty inch.
1: Yeah, and I it, and I think that's on the backstretch after uh it's like after they, they get out get out of turn seven or turn eight or something. So yeah, I mean the they're definitely going to get into the 100 like the low 120s, 130s. but my, the concern though is when they're diving into those corners where they're having the downshift multiple times, I mean you got guys like Ross Chastain who they like to dive bomb and they like the, <laughs> they like to break late. So, uh, that's that's where the issues may, may arise, especially coming to the end of stages or the race end.
0: Are there any tracks, whether it's F one, IndyCar, call, SportsCar? You even comparing it to Chicago this week, or is this its own separate entity?
1: Well, I can tell you, like personally, I don't really. I I try not to watch F one. I call it hashtag Race to Turn One, just because as soon as Max Verstappen jumps out to a lead, the race is over. So I get I get way too bored with that. But I will say, just from my my limited amount of uh research on that i think monaco makes a lot of sense just because there's very there's a very small amount of passing zones there and the the d- major difference too is that with nascar they don't have that built-in drs stuff where you can just turn on like a power boost to pass somebody on a straightaway and so you know we're talking about the race possibly being chaotic I think it definitely could lend to this similar type of racing where we see at Monaco, where it's a lot of follow the leader. And then it's in the corners though here differently than what you see in F1 where the passing is going to have to occur because on the straightaways, these cars are just not built to pass each other in, in dirty air and that type of stuff.
0: Yeah. maybe. And plus generally somebody generally Lewis Hamilton's not going to outbreak check a press, but it, somebody who's good under, breaking like a ton aged like an aging home could potentially beat somebody.
1: Yeah. And I, what's, what's going to be really fun for me to watch is that some of these corners are very narrow where it looks like maybe two cars are going to be able to get, like they might be able to go too wide here. And so it'll be, I you, honestly, I am, I am excited just to watch it because there are so many unknowns this weekend. Um, you know, as a better, I'm definitely going to be very frugal with my bets at the sports book. Like I'm not going to get heavy. I'm not going to have heavy exposure on anybody, even after practice or qualifying. And I may just sit back and watch this as a fan, but overall, I, I think this is a great thing for the sport. I don't care what people say about, you know, this stupid, they're going street course racing, blah, blah, blah. And whatever. I, I think it's fun. I think it's great. I would love to see them Take one of the two Las Vegas races, if this one is successful, and parlay the F1 weekend into potential Las Vegas street race for NASCAR. Take one of the two Las Vegas races that we got on the Oval and put one on a street race, because I think that would be sick.
0: I've got a better idea. How about you take away the Texas race? (laughs) Uh. That That might be the worst track on the circuit.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Texas Oval is kind of garbage for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, but I don't know how much of that is the car or if that's the track. Like, oh, it's 100% the track. Yeah, yeah, it's the track. I I definitely
0: think look at the first two, look at the Kansas races.
1: Oh, the Kansas race this year was incredible. That was awesome. Unless, unless. So before we
0: uh, get into your bets, uh, I do want to I do want to ask you two more questions. One, we saw Ryan Blaney and go into an unprotected wall on Sunday, and I was just thinking, we've seen we've seen NASCAR put in so much time, so much money into this new call, but yet. Kurt Bush's career ended due to a concussion. Alex Bowman yeah. and, and uh no Grayson both missed races due to concussions. And after seeing Ryan Blaine hit the wall hit, hit the wall wall without any safer barrier or times, I was thinking I was thinking, hey, I hope he's racing on Sunday. Yeah, true. day because he won the first Rover race. Well, we know. Why? Because Jimmy and Tripp's wrecked on the last turn of the last <laughs> lap. But um, B, do you think this next-gen car is safer than the old car used to be? I
1: I mean, it, I, I've really been diving into NASCAR for just the past couple of years, so I, I can't speak to what the older car used to say. But what I will say from when I used to watch the sport back when I was a kid, those cars used to look like... Uh, my Hot Wheels when I would smash them with a hammer when they got in wrecks, you know, so to to try to say that these next gen cars are less safe than what the older cars are, I think is a complete misnomer. And yes, guys are suffering concussions. But I think that's a result of many different factors of being, you know, the cars are a little more rigid to hopefully prevent some of the, you know, compaction of the of the bodies of the framing of the vehicle. And then, there's definitely something to the Hans device where these guys are literally attached to their seat. So there's really, there's less movement essentially for them to go. So I almost feel like it's a quicker, it's a quicker snap back to hit the back of their, to hit their headrest, which is, you know, could attribute to some of these concussions. But overall, I definitely think NASCAR is taking the steps to make it safer and in regards to the safer barrier yeah, it was a little interesting that they wouldn't have safer barrier on that such a long front stretch at Nashville, but you know, I've seen people talk about it here in Chicago. They're not going to have room on the straightaways to be turned and go head first into a wall going 140 here. Like you're probably looking at maybe unless you have a Bubba Wallace type situation where he just forgets to hit the break going into the corner and completely wipes out uh, Kyle Larson uh, from a couple of years ago. But I, I don't see that happening. I, I really don't think we're going to have any issues at Chicago, but overall I definitely think the car is safer than what we've had in the past. Just, they got to figure out some of the things with the head injuries, you know, whether that's adding more cushioning on their seats or more cushioning in their helmets. You know, I, I haven't seen much on the, on the science of the actual helmets that these guys are wearing. Cause you know, the NFL each year is releasing, new and improved technology to prevent concussions within the helmet itself while also implementing new rules. So I I just think as a whole it, it's definitely safer than what we've had in the past.
0: Maybe maybe Riddell or one of these helmet companies should create should create pattern where the cup drivers are more protected in this area in case
1: yeah like they hit I, the wall. Yeah, I definitely think you see it on the like on the driver in-car cameras. The the part that actually wraps around their head to keep their head stable. There there's too much room there that it's wiggling. Like they they need to basically put like a foam insert or something maybe to where their head basically does, like can only rotate and you know, maybe go up and down a little bit. You know, it, prevent prevent movement as much as possible outside of the helmet and then Make the cushioning inside the helmet to where it can absorb the blow a little bit better.
0: And then, secondly, we know Chase Elliott, NASA's most popular driver, has gone through an injury play, a crazy season, missed one, six races through a broken length, and came back and then punted, well, wrecked Denny Hamlin, missed the uh, St. Louis race. <laughs> play. But coming off a good a top five, I believe he is 63 points behind, 16. Place Daniel Suarez right now. So, do, is Chase Elliott must-win territory? B could he get could he get the top sixteen of points if we don't have another Austin Dillon or maybe a Ricky Sten maybe Ricky Stenhouse surprise winner this year?
1: You know, I, I think he's going to have to win. I know the these next two races are going to be really big for Chase Elliott, you know, knowing he's so good on road courses. And then we go to Atlanta where he's looked really good on the new for uh, on the new layout. But then after that, we got New Hampshire, another flatter, you know, oval that uh, last you. Yeah, but we know Martin Truex Jr. is going to be tough to beat there. We got Pocono, which is kind of a little bit of a crapshoot in itself because of the long straightaways. It's all about speed. You got Richmond, which is a, a difficult track to, to race at. Then you got Michigan, where all the all the top speed guys, you got Bubba Wallace in there. And then it's after that, we got two more road races in the, the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard, and then we go to Watkins Glen. And then we got Daytona again. So you got Atlanta, Daytona, which are definitely going to be those crapshoot type races where you could get a rando winner like a Ryan Priest or something or maybe Chris Buescher notches that. And then you have the road courses where it's going to have to play strong. Yeah.
0: Until last week, I thought Chase Elliott was in a must-win territory. Now I'm thinking – I think it largely depends on this weekend because we're going to know early whether or not Chase Elliott and Alan Gustin are going for the win or going for track or going for stage points. Because the Chase Elliott, if the strategy says pit before the end of stage one, now I mean, no stage breaks may help that because they could potentially have points and track position because I don't expect these guys to pit any more than they have
1: to. Yeah. Especially with the danger of cautions here. I, I will say like worst case scenario for Chase Elliott is that a guy like A.J. Allmendinger, Michael McDowell, or Chris Busher wins this weekend's race because then that's going to that's going to lock those guys into the playoffs and then make getting in on points that much more difficult. But I also think that for Elliott, the fact that he's still behind teammate uh, Alex Bowman too. In this, in this race, I think is really interesting because he, like, he's got to pass another HMS car in the points in order to get in here. And Bowman, he's struggled this year too. But I mean, when you just look at overall manufacturers and garages, like he's going to bring similar equipment to Elliott. And Bowman's been pretty good at some of these ovals that we got coming up as well. So Elliott is in a tough spot to get in on points where, in my opinion, he's going to need to win one of these next couple of road races in order to get in here.
0: Well, I mean, if you won Chicago, Atlanta, Walk and Splend Indian, Daytona it wouldn't hurt, right?
1: <laughs> that that is very true. And I definitely think he's he's on the upswing for sure. Like he's he's looked better the last couple of races. But again, like I said, when we talked about him leading off the show, to me he's been more of a top five car. Like you know, he's battling for that third to fifth spot, but in overall speed looking like race winning speed. I, there's just, you know, more people than normal have been better than him. You know, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin at times, William Byron. I I would much rather take William Byron on a week to week basis right now. Kyle Larson is, is coming on strong. And I think you would still consider Kyle Larson probably a little bit better than Chase Elliott. Uh, like, I, I don't know. It, just going to be hard for him to get in on points. And I don't put it past him. He's a great driver, but that time missed has been really, really detrimental to his chances.
0: Okay. So now um, I know you have a trivia question for me, Brian. So uh, what do you have for me?
1: All right. So I actually got two. So I'll start off with the first one, which is a little bit surprising, maybe not so much, but uh, um, so since the unveiling of the next gen car in the beginning of the 2022 season who leads the cup series in dnf's on road courses
0: hmm. is he a big name
1: uh yes i would i would consider him a big name in the sport yes hmm Definitely a polarizing figure. Joey Logano. No, I I wish it was Joey Logano, but no, it's not. Uh,
0: has he won a t- Has he won any uh, crown jewels?
1: Um. I'm gonna say no. No. Hmm. Uh... If you've watched our content, or if you follow me on Twitter, he's probably the guy I speak about the most or the team I I back the most, he drives for. Can't be Bubba, right? It is Bubba Wallace.
0: Well, I mean your hat gave it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's actually DNF'd five of the eight road courses we've we've run. Since jumping into the next gen car which is absolutely horrible with the next guy and this one i mean i could have done this he's only he's only been in five races but it's uh loris hesemans has dnf'd in three of his five races while racing with team uh <laughs> yeah it's pretty interesting. All right. And then yeah, before- and let me
0: and let me guess he doesn't have half the equipment that Buffa gets.
1: No, he does not. Yeah. So I mean it just goes to show you like the problems that twenty three eleven has suffered through just with equipment, pit road issues, like they just they've had a lot of a lot of difficulties um on road courses. It, outside of Tyler Reddick jumping into the car this year. Um, the second one.
0: Maybe some could be a driver faults, but. Uh, oh
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. But Bubba Wallace is not, it should not be considered a road course uh, ringer by any means.
0: Okay. What but, is the second question? Yeah.
1: So the second question I wanted to get out here, he's a fi- He's, he's a very popular pick this week. Um, but I wanted to ask you also, since the beginning of the 2022 season in the next gen car, who leads the Cup Series in top tens on the eight road courses? Uh, Michael McDowell. Close.
0: Hmm. Where am I? I
1: this see guy the same same manufacturer. Hmm. I'm I'm going to be
0: stupefied if it's who I think it is. All right, let's hear it. Kevin Harvick?
1: No, no, not not Kevin Harvick. But it 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 is a Mustang. Hmm. Uh, Has he won this year? He has not won this year.
0: That 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 takes away two of my guesses because only two only two of those calls. Uh oh, it's got to be Busher then, right?
1: It is. It is Chris Busher, and he's actually done it in the last seven road races where he's finished inside the top 10
0: might be eight with how well he ran at sonoma
1: yeah exactly and i think what's really interesting about that too is his average finish is 10.6 at all road courses over the last 17 since the beginning of 2020 so i mean when you look at a guy who's been running really strong just this year in general rfk has definitely picked it up um outside of that Brad Keselowski guy who is my arch nemesis in betting. Um, Busher has looked incredible. He's been great at road courses, and I do not fault anybody for going to the board and hitting him. I believe he's still 20 to 1. You can find him in markets on an outright. Uh, I think it's a great number if you want to put a little bit on there. But um, Busher to me is uh, you got to wait and see all of these guys practice and qualifying because if they don't unload with speed, they have zero chance, in my opinion, of winning this weekend.
0: Okay, uh, Brian, so uh, who are your favorite bets for this weekend? Spring.
1: Well, as as I just finished off talking about Busher there, it, it it's hard to get to the market right now because of so many unknowns. So like for me, if I'm going to the sports book, I'm trying to find values that I think the numbers are going to are going to slip or this and this particular one, I think could crater you know once we get to race time on sunday and that's going to be denny hamlin on an outright at 30 or you could still get him at 35 to 1 i believe at i think it's bet 365 um, i got him at 25 to 1 of the offshore i play cuz it's the only option here in california but hamlin qualified on pole in Sonoma. he won ran away with stage 1 he looked like the best car he looked to have a great car in stage 2 but you know he got he got put back by a crappy pit again a crappy pit uh, pit stop there kind of ruined his race. He was stuck in between like tenth and twelfth. They he didn't really show race winning speed late, but in terms of value, I think Denny Hamlin presents quite possibly the best on the board because this could fall to ten or maybe even eight to one if he qualifies in the front two rows. And then on the same note, in the top ten market, you can get Hamlin at plus one thirty five. I think there's value there. But the other one that I'm really looking at is a christopher bell top 10 which is over plus money right now bell has actually been pretty good at road courses throughout his career he's quietly been you know inside the top 10 numerous times he's got eight top 10s over the last 17 since 2020 and he's finished top 10 at sonoma he won the charlotte roval last year finished eighth at watkins Glen last year and he's a guy who's coming on right now i know i said he's a little bit disappointing but the last couple of races, that number 20 car has really started to catch up to the rest of the JGR garage. And if you can get him at 20 or 25 to one to begin the week on an outright, I think that's good. But the top 10 number should not be over even money for him. And to me, that's my that's my favorite bet if I were to go in the placement market.
0: Unfortunately, Florida doesn't have any legal sports betting, well, that's the only thing we don't have. <laughs>
1: well, well, you're like California, we have everything else under the sun is legalized here except for wagering on sports.
0: I but, but uh, I think if I could bet, uh, I'm looking on the sports book DK sports book right now. Uh, you mentioned a couple guys in 20s. How about Michael McDowell at the uh, plus 2800? I mean, we know what he can do, road horses, and I think if and I think of a guy who could definitely surprise. Mike Medell, would anybody be surprised if he's running up there? I'm not sure if he's necessarily the best winner pick. He might be a better fantasy, best top five, top ten guy this weekend. But a Mike McDowell, 2,800.
1: Yeah, he, he he's definitely a really popular pick this weekend, somebody to consider. He's been running well. He, he looked to have something for Truex at Sonoma until, again, pit road issues got him um you know but when you look at mcdowell he it's for me it's harder to get to him in the outright market just kind of seeing the fact that he's i think he's led a total of 15 laps at road courses throughout his career and so he's not normally somebody that runs in the front it you know it would take chaos which we may get this weekend and somebody who's again he's probably going to be battling for a win in order to clinch his spot in the playoffs so it I don't. I don't mind it at twenty eight. No, th- that's a decent number. I just can't get there.
0: And uh, you mentioned one. You mentioned a couple Gibbs drivers. How about one and an even juicier number? I mean, does anybody remember Ty Gibbs used to like dominate road course racing in the Xfinity series? I know different call, different if, if everything. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that nobody's got that. Nobody's got any laps here. Ty Gibbs. Give me. Ty Gibbs fifty to one. He 50, give me Ty Gibbs at fifty to
1: one. I, you know, I I don't hate that number. My my only problem with Gibbs is that you know we we've seen it numerous times. Kids with growing pains during their rookie season, and Gibbs seems to be running well on a week to week basis. Like he'll crack the top ten, and then something happens where he slips up in a corner or a veteran gives him the business and, you know, <laughs> gets it, gets them loose coming out of a turn. Like, it, I don't know. I I'm a little more skeptical in what like rookies in particular are able to produce on a week to week basis. And especially at a track we don't really know much about. I, I don't know. The number is nice and tasty, so I don't mind a very small unit play, but I like him more. If we see him unload quick practice and qualifying and he looks fantastic and he's got good equipment, I don't think you're going to see his number fall under that twenty to one number, and I would much rather hit him at plus two thousand, say, to win the race than even you know spend my money at fifty to one. Yeah, it'd be a nice number to have if that does go nice. But if he doesn't have speed early, he is not at that stage of his career where I think he can race his way to a win in the Cup Series. True, true. Could it be? Could it be a guy? Maybe
0: you have you put a few pennies on him at 50 and then see what happens on Saturday morning afternoon, and see, oh, he qualified fifth. I'll do
1: that. Yeah. Like I, I could definitely see you going back to the well with him. Or, I mean, it, it does kind of make sense. You go a little bit on the 50 to one number. And then if he looks like absolute crap during practice and qualifying, you're, you just, you mark that up as like a donation to the book. So- 'Cause that's essentially what it would be at that point. Uh do you have
0: do you have uh do you have a um winner right now for this race? Because knowing how chaotic this is, knowing if somebody loses a tire, a fall, fender falls off, the wind blows a tree on the track in the Windy City. Do you have any idea what will happen around the streets of Grand Paul Park in terms of a winner?
1: So I, again, I like the Denny Hamlin number. I think if anybody is going to win from like the longer odds people, um, I have zero interest in actually betting any of the favorites. I just think there's too much unknowns coming into this week to hit any of those numbers. So, I mean, I, I I can't then come back here and pick them to win. So like my pick to win is Denny Hamlin just because I like the value and I think he's definitely capable of doing it. But my my pick with my heart, is sticking with this 23 11 team. And I got to go Tyler Reddick. Um, he's rocking an awesome paint scheme. Once again, representing the city of Chicago and the jump man number 23 on his car. I did this a couple of weeks ago in Charlotte, where he ran the MJ North Carolina colored car. Like there was no reason to think that he wasn't going to perform well there. And I think similar case here, I think Reddick, can produce a really good race as long as the car stays in one piece that is
0: and and uh his team doesn't get a penalty on pit road yeah because that always happens because every time i use Tom, Tom reg either like he gets in an accident or i see a wheel falling off the call or the call all of a sudden hit the skids like it did that snow and i'm like what
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so i guess so my sentimental pick is definitely tyler reddick but if i'm betting it right now I'm, I'm betting denny hamlin
0: all right brian thanks for hopping on today uh hopefully uh, everything goes well and uh maybe go out maybe uh go on and play some golf on some nights in uh, san diego
1: oh don't worry i uh i've already gone twice this week so I'm definitely living living the dream here in summer in sunny San Diego.